Welcome to the new Cat Chat, brought to you by Dr. Elsie's, privately owned by Dr. Elsie, a feline-only veterinarian whose personal mission is to formulate litters that keep cats using the litter box, which keeps them in their loving homes. I'm Tracy Hotchner, the author of The Cat Bible, Everything Your Cat Expects You to Know. My mission is to entertain, educate, and inspire cat lovers like you to give their kitty cats the best possible life in nutrition, affection, and environmental enrichment by interviewing cat authors and experts, some old favorites, some new conversations. Dr. Elsie is also the founding and continuing sponsor of my Cat Film Festival, short films from around the world that celebrate the kitty cat, which will be back in theaters as soon as they reopen. Meantime, thanks to Dr. Elsie's, you can now see streaming versions of the Cat Film Festival for free on Amazon Prime and Tubi TV. This show is also brought to you by Meet Me, where they make organic, humane, raw frozen foods and dehydrated treats on their own rural farm in Virginia. The turkey, chicken, rabbit, and beef are certified organic and humanely raised and processed right on their property. So they control safety and health for animals on their farm and at your home, which is why they say, from farm to bowl. It is such a pleasure to welcome Pam Johnson Bennett back to this show. Her book, Cat vs. Cat, was one of several books she's written, which are masterpieces in the field of understanding cat behavior. Cat vs. Cat, Keeping Peace When You Have More Than One Cat, is now completely revised and updated, and having written a, a book myself years ago that went through several revisions and updatings, it really does mean there are changes and that there's shifts in knowledge. And Pam, welcome back to the show and congratulations on being willing to go back to an, your old tried and true and insert all kinds of new illuminations that have, have shed light on why cats behave the way they do, which is something you've been studying your whole life. Yes, thank you for having me here, Tracy. Uh, Yes, cats fascinate me, and they always have. And Cat versus Cat needed to be revised and updated because, first of all, I know more than I did then. Hopefully, yes, you know, yes, we're growing. But right. also the field of, of animal behavior has grown so much. And cats still remain, I mean, people don't just have one cat. We We tend to live with, you know, more than one cat. And whenever there's another cat in the mix, Things change. You know, yes. when it's just one cat, then one litter box, one food bowl, you know, one cat parent, you know, that, that they don't have to share is fine. Right. But when you put another cat in the mix, all of a sudden, everything can get all turned around, and people don't know how to handle that. Well, that's definitely true, and people think, oh, this will be nice. My cat will have a friend. And the cat never starts out thinking, oh, great, thanks, Ma. The cats never start out with open arms. It's just not how they're hardwired, right? I mean, that's just not in their DNA to welcome all strangers at any time. No, and it makes sense. I mean, cats are territorial. We make the mistake of thinking they're not social, but they yes, are. Yes. But their social structure is built around the availability of resources. And as cat parents, we make the mistake when we bring another cat into the environment of either thinking they're dogs and they're automatically going to become best friends uh, and then we get really shocked when that doesn't work or 
we say, well, they're just going to have to fight it out right. and eventually it will work that. out. And that's one of the most stressful and dangerous things you can do. So if you just realize that the introduction has to be finessed, it has to be positive and gradual so that both cats don't feel threatened about their resources, it's worth the work that you'll put in to, to ensure that they'll be friends for life. Well, that's true, but what there's so many chapters to your book and so many different aspects to these intercat relationships that it isn't a once and done thing either. As your book points out in, in many different ways, you can have a good introduction, make pretend you even adopted these two cats and they were a bonded pair, so to speak. They came from the shelter or you rehomed them from friends, which is a way that many people get cats. Oh, they're best friends. But then one fine day, quote unquote, out of the blue for no apparent reason, they are not friends. Isn't that one of the big issues is that people think they're friends now, it's good, and they don't realize they the people, that they've done things to the environment, whether it's more children at home for more time or somebody going away or moving litter boxes because you change furniture. All these things are very disturbing to cats. And this is something that your work, all of your writing, has been to point out they're sensitive, delicate creatures. And and th these these issues are, are in your book. That's my think-like-a-cat mentality that I've always had is when we go, life changes. You know, we get married, we get divorced, right. we have kids, kids go off to college, we move, job changes, yes. you know, all kinds of things. But the cats don't get the memo about that change. <laughs> so all of a sudden they're thrown into this strange environment. So the mistake is doing the introduction and then thinking, okay, my cats are good. I don't have to worry about anything. Because life changes. And the That's more right. you ease your cats through those changes and be aware of changes when they happen quickly, like uh, I'm always telling clients, any change in behavior, any change in litter box habits, diet, anything that you notice is a potential red flag that something is up with your cat. And the sooner you pay attention to those things, the easier it is to, to remedy it. If you just wait and think, oh, well, my cats are fighting, you know, they used to get along, they're fighting, they'll figure it out. And then all of a sudden now they can't even be in the same room together. Yes. Then you have a major problem to deal with. So... What cat versus cat is trying to guide everybody through is the introduction, yes, you know, if you're thinking of getting a second cat, but what if you've had cats for years and now there's a problem? Or what if there's been a change in your, in your lifestyle? Or what if uh, all of a sudden someone's not using the litter box? Um, or you want to introduce a kitten versus an adult cat? All kinds of things happen in life, and I wanted this book to be there to, to guide you through whatever is going on in your environment. It's also a, a kind of 911 on the shelf because A, you can read it and learn more about what does make cats tick. Things that you might have, being a big cat lover, having had cats or cat all your life, you think, oh yeah, and and your your book can reaffirm that to people that have more than basic knowledge. But it also takes them the next step into thinking, oh, I didn't think of that. So the cat's comfortable with the litter box there and everything's working fine, but then they ran out of the litter the cat likes. And so they just got right. some other cheaper, different brand or, or more expensive, different brand 
cat doesn't like the feel of it, different substrate, or, or somebody else was doing the litter box and made it too full, too thick, the litter. So it, there's so many delicate changes that I, I think dogs are much more forgiving of change. If you wanted to make some broad sweeping statement, dogs are like, that's cool. As long as I'm included, I'm good. Cats are, are the princess and the pea, I would say. They notice Cats change. Tend, right. They, and they tend to be very stoic in that you may not notice a change. You know, the cat might That's be getting right. upset about something. Yes. And you're just thinking, well, he's hiding more. You know, he's sleeping under the bed more. Uh, As if know, it were maybe, nothing. As if it were no yeah, big deal. Yeah, and we don't, we don't pay attention to those things. But we're very tuned into dog behavior, you know, because the dog greets us at the door and he's with us and we're, we're taking him for walks. So we tend to notice those things. But with cats, they kind of stay under the radar until something is really obvious. And by the time it's obvious, whether it's an aggression problem or the cat is over-grooming or, or there's a health problem, it's already, like, 911 emergency. Yes. You know, like, oh, my gosh, how long has this been going on? Well, the cat was giving you signs way earlier. We just didn't pay attention. So with this book... It can be, like you said, a 911 on the shelf. You know, it's like everything's going good, but that day that things don't go so well, you can find an answer. Exactly. But I also wanted, I also wanted to talk about in the book how cats have a social structure, how they get along together, understanding their body language and the environment. Because if you understand that, you can hopefully prevent behavior problems from coming up down the road just because you're a little more aware of, of how your cat acts and what this body language means and how you could set up the environment to accommodate four cats now that you, know, that you have four instead of one or two. And those things can make a difference. And I think that, that even the most ardent cat lovers and cat owners don't understand something that you have a chapter about called Turf 101, Understanding Territory. I've even, since I looked at your book and thought about it and mentioned it to someone who has Devon Rexes, yeah, there are people that have purebred cats because they really love that particular, usually emotional behavior of a cat. They also might love the way they look. But some purebred cats, and you know much more than I do about purebred cats, but they tend to have a very strong personality, whether it's the talkative orientals or whether it's the super smushy lovey-dovey Devon Rexes or Scottish Folds or whichever ones are more lovey-dovey. I don't really follow it that much because it's such a small percentage of people that have purebred cats. But he said, oh, no, my cats don't have territory. But in reading your book, I know they do. We just don't even see it. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because I think that in a if even if you don't have a big house or a big apartment and you have multiple cats, the understanding about Turf 101, as your chapter is called, is going to be so important, even if it's just a small space that has each guy's name on it, right? Right. And if you think about outside, cats who live outside, they they have an agreement. If If there's a colony of cats... They have agreed to share space because there is there are resources available, but they can decide how close or how distant they right. want to be. If one cat, <clears throat> excuse me, if one cat doesn't fit in, he gets kind of pushed out or he can move away. But when we have cats indoors, that's our choice. We they didn't pick those companions. 
we did. So out in the wild, they might not be cats who would get along. So when you're thinking about turf, you have to realize each cat in your house has to have some core area that's there. Yes. that they own. And then there are the neutral pathways, the, n- the neutral areas that they'll share, but they have to have some core areas. And if you understand that and you, or, or let me say, if you don't understand that, then maybe you're not going to realize the reason there's a litter box problem between your two cats or three cats is because you've You've been good about having three or four litter boxes, yes. but you put them all in one room, and that means, and that might be a core area for one cat. So that means the other two cats have to pass that cat's main area in order to eliminate. So if you understand that everybody needs their own space, we need it too. You know, as people, we we need it too. You know, you live with other people, but you have your your core areas, you have your favorite chair, you have your, your side of the closet. You know, there are things that are yours, and cats need that. And if you understand that and pay attention, and I tell clients, draw a floor plan. Wow. And mark off the areas, where are the litter boxes, where are the feeding stations, where are the, the beds, and mark where are the, the places you tend to see each individual cat hang out the most, where are the places you see confrontation? And you'll probably see the confrontation is happening happening because one cat is having to cross another cat's area to access a resource. It's very well put. I love the idea that you have a person has part of a closet. You know, you think about COVID, people living in often very small spaces all together for the first time ever all there all the time. Everybody needs that corner. And it may be literally only a corner, one chair, my time in the bathroom. But it's really essential for mental health. And cats have that all the time. They're, they're, right. They need to have that downtime, that space. And, and vertical space obviously comes into it too. So the cat bed isn't just only on the floor, let's say, or the corner of a chair or a couch, but to have that vertical space, which you talk about, and there's lots of books that show you ways to create vertical space, even in a not very large dwelling. But the idea that it doesn't have to be huge, but it has to be theirs, and they pick it. We don't say, here, Nancy, that's your corner. They pick it, and I love you saying, just observe. It's one of the joys of having cats. Watch them. But watch them in terms of what are their emotional needs, their psychological tendencies. So you can you can think about it when you're when you're putting that vertical cat tree or the, the shelf to jump up on, right? Right. Tracy, it's about choice. The more choice you give the cat, you know, you may want the litter box in a certain area, but the cat may be more comfortable in another spot. You may want the scratching post hidden in the guest bedroom. Right. A, right. But the cat may want it in his area, you know, near maybe near You're his bed ball. because yeah. when he gets up, that's yeah. when he wants to scratch. So pay attention. Cats are such good teachers. Just pay attention to what they're telling you. And, you know, you mentioned vertical territory. Vertical territory is a really good way to increase your cat's turf without having to break yes. down a wall and, yes. and do an addition. But keep in mind, you know, some cats like to be hidden. Some cats That's like right. to be out in the open. That's right. So when I'm talking to clients about setting up territories, 
it's pay attention that cats want, sometimes they want to be invisible in a room, sometimes they want to be very visible. They want to be on that top perch of a cat tree and make sure the other cats know that they're there. But sometimes they want to be hidden. So make use of cat tunnels of beds that are like A-frame beds that have a little hiding spot for them. Um, perches that have a little cover, even if it's just a box on its side with the flap hanging down. Uh, so it's about looking at, at your cat, watching. Your cat is letting you know, this is, what I, this is where I like to eat. This is where I feel more comfortable eliminating. This is where I like to sleep. And create that ability for the cat to have the choice to engage and interact with other cats and also the family, but also the ability to avoid and just be invisible and observe. And if you respect that and give that cat the choice, that's when you have the relationship you've always wanted with your cat. Because we all want choice. Yes, and with them amongst each other. Pam, we've run out of time, but this book is so wonderful, and you and you advocate for the kitties so, so well. Cat versus Cat, Keeping Peace When You Have More Than One Cat. Pam Johnson Bennett, a wonderful voice for the kitties. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Tracy. Thanks for listening to Cat Chat. I hope this conversation has deepened your understanding and appreciation of cats everywhere. It's been brought to you by Dr. Elsie's, which created their own clean protein foods inspired by the protein levels found in a cat's natural prey. I recommend that wet food should always be your cat's primary diet, but clean protein also comes as a dry food, the first one I would recommend if you want to feed dry even as part of your cat's diet. This show is also supported by cat water, specially formulated to appeal to cats, chlorine-free, ozonated, and lightly acidic, to encourage them to drink more to promote urinary tract health and the ideal pH.